Hello, welcome to the Grace Apostolic Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope this podcast serves as a tool that encourages you and helps you navigate through this journey called life. If you wouldn't mind, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and review this podcast channel. Your feedback matters, and we want to serve you to the best of our abilities. Thank you so much. Let's go to the Word. Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. When you're there, say amen. The Bible says, but in a great house... In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, but in a great house, there will be some to dishonor. Amen. I have have preached this message in a couple church growth conferences. I prayed. I felt led to just bring it to this in the casting the nets again theme that you have I feel like God's going to help us today. But I want to preach to you on, a, on a, just a, a simple title, God's Messy House. God's Messy House. Would you put your Bibles down, slip your hands up, and I'm going to ask you to articulate your words in prayer. Would you lift your voice and begin to pray, close your eyes, and just get shut in with him for a few moments. You came out, God is going to, you came out, you battled the weather. God is going to bless this effort today. He's going to speak to us. Father, we love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah. Would you thank him one more time today? Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. Would you go with me today in the Word? You may be seated. Thank you for standing. When the word church, when the word church is mentioned in the community when speaking to other people, many things may come to mind depending on who you are talking with. This this common question, do you attend church? Or what do you think about church? This six-letter word, C-H-U-R-C-H, we all spell it the same, but not everybody thinks about it the same. For some, it brings back great memories, and for others, it brings back, to be truthful, it brings back horrible memories. For some, it may remind you of exciting times, And for others, it may remind you of the most boring time that you've ever spent in your life. Not this church. Y'all awake? I said not this church. Okay. Amen. If you need some coffee, just slip out there, have another cup, and come on in. Caffeine is a good thing in the church, right? Church may remind you of meals, it may remind you of peanut brittle, it may remind you of bazaars, a box to check each week to make you feel better. Maybe it reminds you of good things and happy times and life-changing times. It truly is wide open. Truth be told, from the very beginning, God never intended for there to be so many different churches. 
We have done this, ladies and gentlemen, in our times and in our society and in our culture. And what I mean by the word different is churches have allowed their doctrine, their teachings, their purpose, their mission to be swayed from Bible-based principles, be swayed from the mandated Word of God. And across our country, churches will fill up the map, and one church says that you don't have to be baptized, and one church says you do need to be baptized, one says you have to be baptized, but it doesn't matter how you are baptized. Some churches believe there are three gods, some believe their pastor is God, Some let this go, some let that go, some like music, some don't like music, some people worship and praise while others look at you if you even remotely say amen. If you want casual and laid back church, ladies and gentlemen, you can find casual and laid back church in America. The danger of our day is that there are so many churches with so many doctrines it really causes a sincere heart to say, where do I start? And truthfully, what is right? It's one thing to have churches with different personalities and different approaches, but it's a completely different story, amen, when churches have different doctrines and belief systems and formulas for salvation than what God left in his word. If you read in the Old Testament, In Numbers chapter 17, you will find Moses and Aaron, and they were trying their best to walk in the anointing that God had placed on them. And nearby, if you read it, nearby jealous leaders said, we can do what we want to do. We have the same anointing on us, and we have the same power in us, so let's not follow these two guys. Let's do our own thing. And God says, I'm going to fix this once and for all. And he said, have all 12 tribes of Israel inscribe the name of their patriarch on their staff. And then bring all 12 of the staffs to the tabernacle. I want you to leave them in there all night long. And when you come back in the morning, hallelujah, there will only be one. That's right, there will just be one, amen, that has blossomed and one that has budded. My authority and my anointing, amen, will be upon this one to lead in ministry. It will set on that tribe. And when they came back, it was Aaron's rod. Many of us understand that. It was Aaron's rod that budded, signifying the supernatural. Eleven of the staffs were dead, but there was one, Aaron's rod, hallelujah, from the tribe of Levi that was beautiful and that was blossoming and that was budding. I want to tell you today with both feet on the ground, the apostolic Pentecostal church is still beautiful and it is still blossoming and it is still budding in 2020. Oh, somebody say amen. To me, there is only one thing worse than a dead church, and that is a dead apostolic church. We did not start out dead, and the church isn't going to end dead. God's going to give us a glorious church, and he's not coming back after anything less than what he left. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not and should not be like every other church in this city. We have been called out. We have been laid with supernatural authority. Somebody clap their hands and give him a shout of praise. 
Anybody believe it today? Anybody believe it today? I believe it today. If anybody else had it, I'd be in their church today. I believe in the apostolic Pentecostal church. You can be seated. I'm not talking about turning our services into circus shows. But I'm saying that we have the name of Jesus on us, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? I said we have the name above every name on us, the name of Jesus. And we have the power of God's Spirit living inside of us. There ought to be something going on. On. We cannot wait on the community church down the road to lead this city into spiritual awakening. We cannot count on churches who are consumed with routine ceremonies, unopened altars to tear down strongholds in our region. My friends, we cannot wait for spiritless leaders and popsicle pastors that won't allow a move of God. They would not know a move of God if it hit them in the face. We need a move of the Spirit. Oh, I wish somebody would help me today. We need a move of the Spirit. We need a move of God. Why, you might ask, why, why do we need a move of God? I'll tell you, because carnal people will never accomplish the spiritual task needed for your city. We can't let people with no truth outwork us. We can't. We can't let people with false doctrine and false teachings be the only one planting churches, be the only one launching daughter works, be the only one feeding the homeless. We've got to get this truth in the hands of these people. You might say, we've tried it. Pastor says, let's try again. 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 Let's get the nets out again. I love the theme. I love the theme. Let's cast our nets again. Everybody shout again. Let's let's try this again. Let's let's reach for that school and that addict and that marriage again. I hear the sweet sound of heaven's voice calling for us to go forward, to, to reach out, to pursue souls. And it's time we lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes and have apostolic revival across this city. This past year, I was doing a Bible study with a wonderful young man in his early 20s. And my wife used to be a public school teacher. So she has a lot of students that start getting married when they graduate high school that she's connected to. And she'll come to me and she'll say, Matt, we got to talk. I say, yes, sweetheart. I have a couple I need you to marry. I'm like, great. Thanks. They used to be my students. I'm like, great. A lot of these kids come to me and they don't know anything about God. This particular couple had already had a baby together. They were dirt poor, broke, he was working third shift at a very, very low paying job, and we walked to the sanctuary, I was showing them around the church, and his name, his name is Luke, and we got up to where the baptismal tank is, and I started talking to Luke about the need for baptism, this was about our fourth or fifth session together, I was doing some counseling with them, I like to counsel people before I put my name on their marriage, that, that's just me. 
And so we were talking about some things, and I went over to the water, and I said, Luke, this, you know, this is a baptismal tank, and you know, I would love one day to, to baptize you in the precious name of Jesus and have all your sins washed away. And it broke my heart what Luke said. We were standing there, and he was so sincere and honest. He said, Pastor, he said, I don't have, I don't have any money. How much, how much does it cost to get baptized, Pastor? I looked, at, I looked at him, and my heart just, it just melted. I said, my dear brother, Jesus already paid the bill for you. <laughs> Salvation is a gift to us. You see, what my point is, is there's people that have no idea. They have no understanding. They have no concept of who and what Jesus did for them. And we have a responsibility to tell them. We're living in a time where kids have no Bibles. Parents have no biblical understanding. It doesn't matter to me who you are, what you've done, amen, who you voted for, what color skin it is. If you wear dress shoes or tennis shoes to work, I want to ask you a question. Have you heard about this man named Jesus Christ? Have you heard, except a man, be born of water and of spirit? Have you heard that the old you can be buried and the new you can come alive? I want to tell you today, revival is all around us. Opportunity is all around us. we got to fix the line, mend the net, and let's try again. Somebody shout, try again. Let's, let's fix the line. Let's mend the net, and let's try again. I don't care if they said no 1,000 times before. Oh, hallelujah. This could be the day that they could say yes. The God that we're serving today is not a God who is dead or lethargic or in over his head. If anything ever gets dead and dormant in the equation, it is not God. I said it is not God. If anything begins to get dead and dry, it is not God. We have to own up sometimes that it is us. It is us. It is us. Maybe 2019 didn't go well for you. You've got to make up your mind. The only way it's going to change in 2020 is if you look in the mirror and say, I refuse to have another dead, dry ministry. I refuse to be fruitless in 2020. I'm going to have a revival. My marriage is going to be blossoming. My kids are going to be blessed. I'm going to fill my church up with souls. Somebody clap their hands and give God some praise. May I remind you today, we're not serving a God who's worried, overwhelmed, or stressed out with the needs of this hour. He is not taken by surprise or wringing his hands wondering what to do. Oh no, we serve a God who is well able to meet every and any need that we have. I remember some time ago where the message began to birth in my spirit came from this. In Newcastle, Indiana, we have awesome, wonderful people. Some of them are here. But I remember... I remember watching some live streams. Everybody seems to be, you know, live streaming their church service today. We do it. I think it's happening right now. It's a great way to get the word out. It's a great way for shut-ins to be connected to the body. It's a great way for guests to kind of peek into your church service, you know, without coming. And I had, I had watched... 
some churches, and it was, I was so inspired, but at the same time, I was so discouraged. Because when they would do a crowd pan, you know, on the live stream, that they would, they would scan the crowd. It looked like everybody in their church had just stepped out of an apostolic GQ magazine. I'm like, how did they do that? How do you, how do, you do that? Not knocking it at all, but how do you do that? In Newcastle, when you pan the crowd, you're going to find awesome people, powerful and anointed people. And if I can be honest today, you're going to find a motley crew. Oh, God, help me. I know you guys love me. This is one of my second homes up here in Michigan. I love you guys, all right? Don't you be judging me right now. I'm just speaking honest, okay? I'm just speaking honest. I thought, how do you do that? And when you, you scan our crowd, you're going to find mullets, and you're going to find, if you can smell through the live stream, you would smell cigarettes. If you could somehow smell through the live stream, you would, you'd probably pick up on some alcohol, and you'd smell some things. You're thinking, what in the world? And and, uh, you know, the, these people are brand new to truth. It's not, it's not on the platform. It's not in our choir. But when you look at some people in Newcastle, you, you might even start a rumor about good old Brother Purdue. He's not teaching holiness anymore. Have you looked at his church? Have you looked at his crowd? Amen. I want to tell you today on live stream, everybody doesn't look the same, worship the same, or respond the same. And I thank God that everybody in our church don't look the same. Hallelujah. They don't look like they just stepped up. They don't look like they just stepped out of heaven's chariot, but rather they just stepped out of Egypt. But they are some of the greatest people I've ever been around. I'll tell you this much. I have a responsibility, and so do you, to teach them, to love them, to win them, to walk with them, to make them feel like they belong. <laughs> Growing a church is not easy. And, and when, I, when I felt this way and I saw this, I said, God, what am I doing wrong? Why, why does everybody else seem like they got, like, every, every hair is perfect and all the ladies are so pristine and everything looks so great. All the ties are on. Everything's good. You know, you pan it. Everybody's just perfect and right, holding their Bibles under their hands. And then you look at our crowd and thank God the house is full. But it's like people that, some days it's rough. But then the Lord took me to the scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. He said, chill out, Matt. Because in a great house. Come on, somebody help me this morning. We're here. We might as well let God have his way. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but right next to the gold and right next to the silver is somebody with tattoos that might smell like alcohol, that might look a little different, that don't know how to worship like me and you. But God said in a great house, you're going to have the gold, you're going to have the silver, but you're going to have the earth. You're going to have all these things, some of honor and some of dishonor. It's messy. It's messy. 
It's messy. It's not perfect. It's messy. I have a five-year-old son. You can be seated. I have a five-year-old son named Oakland. And we'll go up there, Brother Traxel, and we'll put all his toys where they're supposed to go. And we will make his bed. My wife will vacuum his floors and get everything just right. And we'll step out, we'll go downstairs, have a cup of coffee. We'll hear some banging and clanging. We'll go back up. Any parents know where I'm going with this one? And it looks like a tornado done blown through that room. You know why? Because five-year-olds make messes. Four-year-olds make messes. Our prayer is, is 30-year-olds clean up after themselves. And 40-year-olds know how to behave themselves. To those that have a little age in the church, can I say it politely? Grow up! Stop making messes! Because we got enough messes with our little ones coming in, our new converts coming in, our drug addicts on recovery. We need people to grow up and to take those that need God and walk them to revival and victory and dominion. My dad's church, he pastors in Muncie. I got to tell this story. It's too good not to tell. It's the truth. You're going to say, there's no. It's the truth. Back in my former days, I got to play the drums at my dad's church growing up. And we had, we had a Sunday night church service. Remember when there were Sunday night services? We had a Sunday night. Chester still remember. He still has them. We're truly oneness in Newcastle. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. And there was a man who was straight up out of the world. In fact, he still had a, he had a home detention bracelet on his right leg, right ankle. We was having one of those Sunday night services, and I was playing the drums, and God started moving. And this guy, I'm telling you, straight up out of the world, been coming to church about three weeks, just got the Holy Ghost, so excited. His name was Paul. Awkwardly enough, his wife's name was Trinity. <laughs> now they're in a oneness church. Revival's happening. Drug addicts, I'm telling you, drug addicts. Well, anyway, the church got to hopping and popping on a Sunday night. I'm on the drums. And people, I saw so-and-so take off running around the church. and Another lady stand up and start shouting. You know, I love it. Apostolic worship. And all of a sudden, Paul didn't really know what to do with himself. He ran to the front of the church. And he began to do push-ups. I'm at the drums, and I'm looking down at the altar, and Paul is cranking out. <laughs> he is just crank his, his home detention bracelet, you know, it's, he don't care. He's just getting after it. 
and his kids, he had like a two and three, they're like climbing on his back. He's, he's got his eyes shut. So after the service, I go up to him and I was like, Paul, you've got to talk to me, man. What was going on? Like, what's happening? He's like, bro. He goes, I saw some people shouting to God. And like, man, some people were running to God. You know, they were just excited for him. He goes, I just told God in my pew that I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go do some push-ups for him. And I said, really? Push-ups. You know, you know, some people might look down at that, and, and I get it. It's not a circus show, and I, I understand it. But this guy's fresh out of the world, has no idea, has no understanding, and thankfully he did push-ups at an altar. I will take a Paul every day, any day, doing push-ups at an altar over some religious hypocrite on the back room who looks down their nose at everybody who says they'll never be anything. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm so thankful for new converts. I'm so thankful for fresh faces. I'm telling you right now, maybe you don't see it right now in your life, but God says, let's do this again. Let's reach for them again. Let's go after souls again. There's a Paul right here in Colson. There's a Trinity right here in Colson. I want revival this year. Listen, it's going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable, but God is going to help us. Oh, I wish somebody would clap and give him some praise. You can be seated. I got to hurry. I got to, I got to hurry. I know where I'm at on time. Proverbs 14 and 4 says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Proverbs 14 and 4, where no oxen are, the crib is is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. It is common knowledge that it was the oxen that plowed the fields. It was the oxen that maintained the land. The oxen symbolizes work. It represents strength. And we find in Proverbs Solomon saying, if there was a clean crib, if there was no mess, no change, no difference, no getting our hands and feet dirty, then there was really no work taking place. But when you let the oxen out to work, there's going to be a difference. There's going to be a mess upon arriving back in the crib. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Where no outreach is, is the crib is clean. Where there's no children's ministry, oh, somebody help me right now, the crib is clean. When there's no work being done, structure being established, souls being won, the church or the crib is clean. There'll be no drama. There's not going to be any pushback. There's going to be no messes to worry about. There's going to be no new converts to disciple. You're not going to get late night calls. You're not going to have block parties. There's no ministry centers. There's no outreach events. There's nothing to plan or work on. You're not going to have to worry about camp meetings to work into your busy summer. There's going to be no prayer meetings to invade your monthly calendars, no revivals to schedule, no altars to cry on, no tear stains on the chairs in the prayer room. There's going to be no growing pains. Whoever said that God's work was clean and it's tidy, it's not correct. Whoever said that inside the house of God, everything's going to be neat and orderly, spiritually speaking, it's not true.
you walk up to God's house, you peek in the window of God's house. Spiritually speaking, you're not going to find some cleaned up house where only the fine china is out and only the silver serving platters are sitting out. But if that house is truly great, truly great, that house will be messy. Vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor will both be inside. Beside the polished china, that vessel tried with fire and shining so beautifully, you're going to find another vessel that's still very earthly. 2020 taught people who don't look like you, people who don't worship like you, smell like you, talk like you, wear what you wear. It may not look like fine china yet, but it's still a vessel that's inside the house. We've got to give it time. We have got to give it time. We have adopted a new method in Newcastle. Over the years of serving God, in my experience, here's been the formula. When you new converts become, then we'll let you belong. How's that working out for us? We're going to flip the script. When you walk through the doors, we want you to belong. And while you belong, we're going to grab your hand and we're going to walk with you every day that we can. And we're going to walk with you to an altar of repentance. And we're going to walk with you to a baptismal tank, baptized in Jesus' name. And we're going to walk with you to a place called the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we're not going to stop there. We're going to take you into roots of discipleship, teach you the doctrine. Oh, hallelujah. Come out from among them and be ye separate. we got to keep walking. But while they belong, we're going to walk with you until you become. Just slip your hands up with me right now, wherever you're at. Just slip, slip your hands up. Mess. There's 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 mess. But God's got it all under control. Would you stand with me this, this afternoon? I looked at my wife the other night, and she looked at me, and every man should probably know this look on their wife's face. I picked up on it. She's like, I'm tired. And I thought, I'm tired too. Since October, our world has been rocked as far as we're just pushing really hard in Newcastle to make our church about others. For us, we're making some radical changes because it's really not what I think that matters. It's about others. My song selection, it's about others. Our ambiance, it's about others. We're pushing hard. And with push, it's not wrong spirits, but it's comfort. I've been comfortable, Pastor. Don't push me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to tell you this, and I hope you pick up on it. 
if what you're doing is not working, then stop doing it. Think about it, pray about it, then do it again. But if it's not working, well, we're just going to force it to happen. No, you cannot force it to happen. The ground beneath this building has shifted even in the years that you've owned this building. The demographics in this city has shifted. The different diversity has shifted. And we've got to go back to God again in prayer and say, oh God, give us a fresh vision. Give us a fresh understanding of what you want. It's messy. Would you slip your hands one more time up and just, just pray that God would help you right now. Whatever, whatever it is that you feel in 2020 is going to help you and bless you and minister to others. Whatever your skill set is, I pray, God, that it, it help me, help others, help me, help others, help me, help others, help me, help others. I conclude, I conclude with this story that I have found is very compelling. And then we'll open these altars and whosoever will, let them come and pray. Everybody say, God's messy house. It's okay if everything's not right. It's okay if there's messes. Just keep, that's, that's what revival is. That's what it looks like. Just part of it. There was a young couple, and I, I closed with this story. There was a young couple who just, just recently got married. And... They had their honeymoon night and, and got up and they were going on their vacation. And <clears throat> the, the man gets in his vehicle and the, 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 bride to be, the bride gets in the, the other side. And they have their bags packed. They're ready to go off to their honeymoon. And they pull out very early one morning onto the highway. It's a very foggy morning. And they pull out on the road and out of nowhere comes a big truck and it just plows into their, their car and their car flipped a couple times and they're laying in the ditch and the man comes to and there's nobody around him and he looks over and his, his bride is, is bleeding and she is unconscious so as any man that's desperate would do he ran over and he scoops his bride up he began to scream at the top of his lungs, help, help, help. And finally, he looked at the top of a hill, and there was this, this sign kind of lit up faintly, and it said, I think it was like Dr. Tom's office or Dr. something office. And so he worked his way up the hill, and he got to the front door, and he knocks on the door, and he's beating on the door, holding his unconscious wife. And after some time, a man answers the door and he says, yes, how can I help you? What's, what's going on? And he began to scream, I need your help. I need your help. My wife, we've had a wreck. I need your help. And the man looked back at him and he said, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. He said, I, I'm retired. I don't, I, don't practice, I don't practice medicine anymore. I'm, I'm so sorry. And the desperate husband looked back at him and he says, listen, sir, the way I look at this, you got one or two options. He said, you either help me and you help my wife or you take down your sign. You either help us or you take down your sign. 
I look at a bunch of people whose lives have been radically changed by God. Do you remember where you were when God reached for you? The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? When salvation is no longer great to us. remember when God found you? Do you remember when you were sitting there and your heart started beating? Do you remember when you didn't understand what was happening and you knew that you you necessarily weren't good enough for God, but He still was reaching for you and He loved you and He pulled you out and you came to an altar and you bare your soul to God. Maybe some of you remember marching to a watery tank and your heart was beating and you didn't know what was next in your life, but you saw some people around you smiling and say, hey, this is going to be the best day of your life. And they helped you through your journey. And here we are in 2020. Suits are on, dresses are on, hair's back. Good things are happening. Our knowledge is polished. But our crib is clean. Here's the dilemma of 2020. We have a generation out there that says, either you help us, share the truth with us, help our bleeding, busted lives, our broken places, or take down your sign. Don't claim to be a church where anything can happen, the impossible can happen, and it's for everybody if we're not going to reach for everybody. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be dirty. It's going to be messy. It's going to be exhausting. I'm not going to give you some false promise today. But I'm going to tell you, the moment you see the man or woman that you brought to church you've been working with step out of their seat and they come to an altar and they lift up their hands and tears begin to flow down their feet, you're going to say every minute, every sweat, every mess was worth it. This call may not hit everybody, but would you lift your hands? This year, if if this message has resonated, it's connected with your heart, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat right now and get to the front of this building. And I'm going to ask you to touch the heavens with your prayers of desperation. Not this lay me down to sleep type of prayer. But I say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Take my hands, take my feet. Whatever you can do, God, use me, Lord. My life is not my own. Hallelujah. It is all you. God, I pray, Lord, you help me. You bless me. You give me the wisdom, instruction, and knowledge to do what you want to do. Who would come right now? Come on, lift your hands and lift your voices. Cry unto God. Oh, Lord, use me this year. Come on, get a soul on your mind. Get a soul on your mind. In the name of Jesus, oh, God. I'm going to go back to that school, back to that soul, back to that family. God, I'm going to use the you this year. Thank you again for joining us here at Grace Apostolic Church. Hopefully this message spoke to you as it did for many others. Grace Apostolic Church is a church family that you can be a part of. If you would like to connect to the church, the best way would be to visit our website at gacclawson.org or visit one of our services. Our service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at gacclawson.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.